Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to Perpetual Traffic. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and Molly Pittman is back in the house (laughs) this week. Very psyched to have her on me too. I'm doing great. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope the 2020 is off to a good start. As always, it's good to be here with you, Ralph. I just love recording with you, and I know this is going to be fun. <laughs> I, think we, fun. I think we I have already chatted for about 30 minutes before we hit the record button. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. It's always good to catch up with you. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I mean, it's been a busy end of uh, 2019. It's been a busy start of 2020. And a lot of cool things going on with you and your business, as well as a lot of things that we've talked about here with myself and Tier 11. But yeah, 2020 is going to be a big year for Facebook. And we actually did talk about this back on episode 235, the five things that you need to know in 2020 on Facebook and Instagram. But we're going to get your thoughts on... I'm coming in with four more. (laughs) Yeah, four more. So if you thought it was just five things, well, it's actually four more. And then maybe even plus one at the end if we have time. You know, what to expect in 2020. I think there's a lot of trepidation, I think might be the word, a lot of uncertainty. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to use my 50 cent words here. You know, I'm not huge for predicting things. Like, I love to know what's coming in the future just so I have an idea and I can plan. But this is more about like, here's what I think the hot topics are going to be or what we're going to be discussing, you know, in the Facebook groups that we're in with other Facebook advertisers. Like, here's my big stance on, you know, the important topics, in my opinion, with Facebook advertising in 2020. And just a few cool things that I think Facebook's added that you guys should know about too. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to go a little bit more tactical on this one. I think on 235, we're a little bit more strategic, like big picture things for you to think about. Things a lot of people tend to forget, like how big Instagram is, like how huge mobile is. And it's funny because, you know, we actually had a team meeting last week in Austin, which was awesome. We flew in most of our team, which is 100% virtual, four continents, and we had about Amazing. three quarters thereabouts of the people there physically in a room in the third dimension as opposed to in the second dimension, looking at them on Zoom every week. Uh, and it's funny how much like the media buyers you know, in our group, as well as our ads managers and creative strategists, sometimes they are so in the actual tactics that they forget about some of the bigger picture parts of this entire platform, which is obviously what we try and talk about here on the show. But then we get back into the tactics and a lot of the specifics of things that people are concerned about, as well as potential opportunities that we've got in front of us in 2020. And, you know, we had talked about a lot of the things, the potential pitfalls and how you as a listener of this show can capitalize on the trends and not be intimidated by them. 
and look at them as opportunities to up your game, get better at doing what you're doing, and to leverage this platform, obviously, by listening to this podcast every single week. So we're going to be getting into a lot of that here with Molly's ideas and insights into what to expect in 2020. So yeah. why don't we get right into it? With, with Facebook and Instagram advertising, I need to be better at saying and Instagram. Whenever I say Facebook, I mean, you know, the whole network. So just so you guys know that. And quick, before we dive in, I want to tell you about another opportunity in 2020 that I'm really psyched about. And we are opening our four-month mentorship for anyone who is a media buyer, an aspiring media buyer, it's called Train My Traffic Person. It's a project that Ezra Firestone and I work on together. This will be the fourth time that we're teaching this class live. We've been having rave results this last class of students. I just had someone reach out to me last week, Ralph, and tell me that his business did 180000 bucks the year before we met, <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. It's a business that just sells one product, which is really interesting. And this last year, he said the only difference in his business was train my traffic person. And his business grossed a little bit over $500,000 this year. So that's more than a doubling. Wow. Um, and he said the only difference was train my traffic person and everything he learned in there. And it's a really hands-on experience. It's not just me teaching. It's also you know 90 minutes a week on feedback calls. We're in a Facebook group that I'm in almost every day answering questions. So there's a lot of hand-holding here and group coaching specific to your business, which I think the market definitely needs. So we only take about 100 spots each time. This is something I teach twice a year. So this class will fill up soon. <laughs> um, so if you guys are interested, head over to trainmytrafficperson.com. If you're watching this and there's already a wait list up because the class is full, go ahead and put your name on the wait list and we'll let you know when another class is opening up. But you guys are, you know, I always love meeting podcast listeners and person. You guys are so important to me. And I know a lot of you guys have gone through Train My Traffic Person and gotten a lot of value. So I always want to let you guys know when we're opening that up. That's awesome. And who is Train My Traffic Person for? Like if you could say yeah. like, this is the ideal person yeah, that would get the question. most out of this program. So there are four or five people that really fit into Train My Traffic Person well. The first is if you have your own agency or you are a freelancer and you are servicing clients via Facebook and Instagram, Google, YouTube ads, et cetera, because we do cover Google and YouTube and Train My Traffic Person, this is a great fit for you to do better work for your clients. Another avatar is a media buyer who is employed and working for someone else full-time. That's another avatar who usually gets a lot out of this, is able to really impress their boss and grow the company. We have business owners. So even if you own the business, whether it's e-commerce, whether it's you're selling information, services, local business, any business type, we are able to serve and train my traffic person. But we do have a lot of business owners that just want to figure this traffic stuff out on their own. Um, and, you know, like Yed that I just mentioned with the more than doubling of his business in the last year, he was the business owner, went through Train My Traffic Person himself. And then the last one is someone that's really looking for a career change because media buying isn't something that you can really go to school for. It's not like Ralph at Tier 11, you're hiring people out of university ready to become <laughs> digital advertisers. There are a lot of people that are looking to get into 
this career opportunity, essentially. And they're going through Train My Traffic Person to acquire the skills to figure out, do they want to start their own business? Are they looking to work for someone else? Maybe are they looking to work for Tier 11? And this is a way for them to gain the knowledge and get the experience to really figure that out. So a few different avatars there, I guess, as you would say in marketing talk. But feel free to direct message me on Instagram if you have questions too. That's at Molly Pittman Digital. I know it's a big commitment and I'm always happy to answer your questions if there's something that's not answered at trainmytrafficperson.com. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah, and it's an awesome program. And it's one that Molly and Ezra have been kind enough to allow our ads managers and some of our media buyers to even go through at tier 11 because it is so high quality. And it's, you know, I mean, even if you're a little bit more advanced, it's always going back to the basics too. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's crazy because you just want like the, oh, the latest tactics, the latest tools, the latest tip, hack, whatever it is. We always sort of tend to come back to the basics yeah. of advertising. And that hasn't really changed a whole lot in the last hundred plus years because human nature doesn't really change a whole lot. This is a great program, you know, for beginners and people that are maybe have a little bit of experience under their belt. And obviously we've derived a, a tremendous amount of value from it from our media buying team inside tier 11. So definitely check it out and we'll give a URL or maybe a place where people can go at the end of the show or if you want to give it now. Yeah, trainmytrafficperson.com. And that's such a good point, Ralph. Like even nowadays when I'm working with big brands that are maybe doing $50 million a year, $100 million a year, and they hire me for private consulting, a lot of the times we're going back to the avatar stuff. We're going back to ad copy. We're going back to creative. So with TMTP, the cool thing is once you join the mentorship, you get videos for 
every class to come. So you'll always be updated in terms of content with how the interface looks and which buttons to press and like the latest hacks and tricks. But I agree that foundational information, no matter how advanced you feel you are, people always come out of this with like, wow, I've never thought of it that way. And Mm. I really feel like I'm ready to scale businesses. So uh, would love to have you guys let me know if you have any questions. And yeah, I'm excited to teach another class. Class starts February 6th. So getting ready. (laughs) Getting up there. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, let's let's get right into it here. We've got four big things, maybe, uh, you know, one or two others that we want to get into. As far as the things to expect in 2020, what's first on your mind, Maul? Well, I think the first point to make, and I heard the lovely Mike Rhodes chat about this a few months ago in Australia, and he said something to the effect of 70 to 80% of the humans who are hired and working in machine learning right now are working for Facebook and Google, right? That's shocking. 70 to 80% of people that are working on machine learning are working for Facebook and Google. In my mind, I thought they would be working in like healthcare or just any other. (laughs) I didn't realize how much these companies were investing in machine learning. And the reason for this is that the better the machine is, right, the algorithm, whatever we want to call it, everything that's working behind the scenes to show our ads and get us, you know, results as advertisers, the better that that is and the more automated the process, so the easier it is for us as advertisers, well, the more money Facebook and Google are going to make. So it makes a lot of sense. But for me, that's a huge theme this year. And it's something that I touched a lot on last year. But the understanding that Facebook, Google, YouTube, and specifically Facebook and, and Instagram in this discussion right now, they are investing in machine learning, very sophisticated machine learning. And that's kind of the first point that I want to make here. This shift that we're seeing to campaign budget optimization or CBO, as we all like to call it, has been one of the biggest panic moments (laughs) that (laughs) I've seen from advertisers in the past few years, you know, and it's something that I still am seeing brought up in lots of groups day to day, probably one of the biggest questions that I'm asked about from you guys And we should really understand that CBO is essentially the most sophisticated machine learning that Facebook has introduced to date. Because instead of, you know, optimizing, of course, at the ad set level, you are now giving Facebook almost complete responsibility other than the marketing assets, which we know are important, the copy, the creative, the offer, the site, all of that, and the targeting. Otherwise, we are giving Facebook complete control, I guess is the best word to use, to optimize this campaign in the best way possible based off of the objective that we told Facebook that we want from this particular campaign, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's just good to understand what is happening. Like, Platforms like Facebook and Google, they're moving more into machine learning. We're going to see more and more machine learning. And essentially, this machine doing most of the work for us, right, that's only going to become more common as we move into the future, right? And CDO is just a part of this, right? But it's something that a lot of people are panicking about. And I'm hearing things in the market like CDO doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. 
or I'm testing CBO against ABO budgets at the asset level and it's not working. And when I hear things like that, it makes me want to go on a little Molly rant, which I'm about to go on right now, just because I think that people are not understanding what CBO is. And because Facebook is saying that this year, maybe even in February, it's going to become mandatory for every Facebook campaign that we build moving forward to use CBO, right? So I see why people are freaking out. So you add that onto this and it's creating a lot of panic in the market. So the first thing that I want to discuss moving into 2020 is this shift to CBO, how to think about it and really how to get it to work for you so that it's it's not as much of a panic moment as it might be right now. And I'm also Mm. gonna share a little easy button you can use to go back if your account is forced into mandatory CBO. There are ways to set up campaigns that look like CBO but aren't really. So that's what I wanna first discuss here, Ralph, because I think it's causing a lot of stress for us as advertisers, and I don't think that needs to be the case. sense. Yep. When you say machine learning, are you also talking about sort of artificial intelligence, AI, which I know Mike is a big, you know, he's fascinated with that subject, obviously, as a Google guy. Do you think of them in the same way? Because in essence, it's it's data aggregation to be able to fuel a platform. In this case, it's advertising. I mean, there are differences. But when I think about either of the two, I really think about the fact that the machine becomes smarter as it consumes more data, right? So if you think about it like a little robot and you're feeding it cookies and that makes it smarter, that's what's happening behind the scenes here, right? And that's why it's so powerful because there's a compounding effect. The more data that you feed the robot, the more information that the machine is able to absorb, the smarter that it gets, right? And that's why it's scary to a lot of people. But they lose a little bit of control. Exactly. And if your marketing isn't great, like the back to basic stuff that we talked about earlier, copy, creative, targeting, etc., it's harder to hack the system, right? So a lot of people are struggling because they used to be able to get away with little hacky tactical stuff that you could do inside of Ads Manager to sort of force Facebook to do things that they wouldn't do on their own. And now this is forcing, you know, essentially the best marketer to win, which makes me excited. Mm, Exactly. So let's get into it. So, you know, if you look at CBO, obviously Facebook is introducing this and has tried to introduce it. And we actually met with them last week and they said they actually admitted that we might have introduced this maybe too soon before it was sort of prime time ready. Right. And it was sort of a clunky rollout and obviously sort of pushing, you know, the due date or the end date of ABO ads at budget optimization out further. And it is coming and we weren't given a definitive date in our meetings last week, but it's coming. It's within the next couple of months for Mm -hmm. sure. So if you sort of take a step back, maybe you can sort of take us through sort of the evolution of 
campaign budget optimization, what the real desired end result is for Facebook. When I say Facebook, obviously, we mean the platform, not just it. And all Uh, of us as advertisers, you know? Absolutely. Like, what's their main goal of it is to make us produce better results at the end of the day. And you remember, Ralph, I mean, back, I think, in 2014 is when they added ad sets. Like, when Mm -hmm. I first started doing this, when you first started advertising on this platform, it was CBO, right? So we're kind of going back to where it it was, which is funny. But the desired end result is more consistency in results, right? That's something you hear all the time, I'm sure too, Ralph, is why do my results vary so much from day to day on Facebook? That's really frustrating. So that's a desired end result for CBO to make it more hands-off and just easier so that we don't have to check in as much so that we have more time to spend on the things that matter, like offer creative copy, targeting, increasing lifetime value, your funnels, your upsells, all of that. (laughs) More profitable and stable scale and simplification of ads manager, which I don't actually think is going to happen. You guys will hear that in a minute. And I think Facebook screwed up a little bit there, but I do think that there's an effort here to simplify things. And I think where this all went wrong, and I learned this because the first few times I used CBO, it worked really well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, these are some of the best results I've honestly seen in years. Like, what's happening? This thing's amazing. And when I look back at those scenarios of how I was initially using CBO and how I use CBO now, the issue is not CBO in terms of when it works and when it doesn't. It's usually how and when we are using it. And I think this is where Facebook screwed up is that they've said, here's CBO, here's what it is, here's what we're hoping to get out of it. But they're using it as like, there's a blanket application of it here, right? It's like CBO should be used on every campaign. And in my opinion, that's absolutely not the case, right? Like how and when I use CBO dictates whether it fails or not. Not just, hey, I'm going to set up this random campaign and split test ABO and CBO. They're inherently very different, right? You're optimizing it on a completely different level inside of this campaign. So when I look back at this and the way Facebook's rolled it out and just my personal experiences and everything that I see is that the issue isn't CBO in terms of its success or not. It's how and when we are using it. Does that make sense? And I do not believe it is something And I've told Facebook this. I think it's a huge mistake for them to make CBO mandatory across the board because it should not be used in every scenario. But I do have a little easy button, like I told you guys, to kind of hit the back button if and when that does happen across the board. So Ralph, why don't I share like when I use CBO and kind of what the specs are there? Because like I said, I've had tremendous results using CBO. It is my preferred choice day to day, but I have had to change when I use it how many ad sets are within those campaigns, how many ads are within those campaigns. So the structure and the way I run ads have changed a little bit when I'm using CBO and when I'm not. And that's where a lot of the issues are coming into play here. Yeah. So let's go into where you'd use it, where you wouldn't use it. And some of the learnings that you've had when you do use it and how those results have translated into this being a tool that's really, really effective for you. Totally. So CPO is best used for scale. 
And that might be a no-brainer for most of you because we do know that CBO was built to give us the highest volume of results for the cheapest price as quickly as possible, right? Like think about CBO as like an extra like jet pack that you're adding to the rocket. <laughs> Does that make sense? And it's best used for scale when what you are doing is already proven, right? So the mistake that I see people making is they're using CBO on a test campaign when they're testing a new offer, they're testing new copy, new creative, new targeting, something that isn't proven. And so they're basically just magnifying crap, right? <laughs> because this thing isn't proven and the optimization that they've chosen really isn't built for when you're in the testing phase. And I think that Facebook introduced things like the split testing feature, which I still don't love and I don't use for multiple reasons because they realize that CBO is best used for scale. But the unfortunate part is that the split testing feature isn't great for testing either. Right. So yeah. it kind of leaves us in this interesting position. So if I'm building a test campaign, Ralph, I'll start there. Let me tell you what my specs are for that campaign. So if I'm still testing something, so if this is a new offer in the business I've never tested, if I don't have any ads that have social proof or any targeting that have been able to work, I'm still setting budgets at the ad set level and I'm using more ad sets. So five to 10 plus ad sets because I'm still in test phase. I'm still using smaller audience sizes, more like half a million to 3 million a piece, unless I'm restricted to only selling in a country or a state, then of course those are smaller, but I'm still in test mode and I'm also setting budgets at the ad set level. So I'm able to introduce many more ad sets into the campaign. I mean, I can have 20, 30 if I want it, but it gives me the ability to test audiences in a little bit more granular way than I will when using CBO because CBO requires such large audience sizes that it can be really hard to test and see what works and what doesn't work. So when I'm still testing something, many more ad sets, smaller audience sizes, also more ads. So five to six, maybe up to 10 ads in each ad set, depending on how many copy variations and creative variations that I'm wanting to test. And that is how I test something new, right? That's how I test. So for example... I have a client, as many of you guys know, that pumps out new docuseries and we run different launches for these free docuseries. And so this week, I have a brand new docuseries, completely new market that I've never been in before, new ad account. Like this is a test. <laughs> and right. you better believe that I won't be starting out with CBO because most of what I'm initially going to test isn't going to work. And CBO would just make it look even worse, right? Like my initial lead cost that might be between 10 to 15 bucks would probably look more like 25 to $30 because I'm just putting more momentum behind something that isn't proven yet. So CBO is best used for scale. And when I'm building a campaign for scale, I'm obviously using 
CBO, right? I'm using way less ad sets. So a big mistake people are using with CBO is they have too many ad sets. I never have more than five to seven ad sets in a CBO campaign. It's too many for Facebook to really optimize and give reach to. So I've got more like one to five ad sets and the audience sizes are much larger. They're five to 30 million plus, sometimes 60 million or a hundred million, depending on where I am in that scale. So I'm using more interest group together, or maybe I am broadening out to those broader interests. Like in November and December, I worked with a new client who was selling something in the wine industry, which was really fun, Ralph. And when I got to scaling those campaigns, I was able to, inside of CBO, use interests like wine that were really large and that I wouldn't have used initially when I was testing. So much larger audience sizes and then less ads in each ad set. So more like two to five ads. And my best practice for CBO right now is when I'm setting up one of these campaigns inside of each ad set, I try to make it so about half of those ads are existing post IDs or just existing ads that already have social proof that worked really well in the test phase. And then maybe still 50% of the ads that I'm launching, new creative, new copy based off of feedback and testing that I've done just to give Facebook sort of fresh stuff to work with too. So it's not just the same ads that you've used testing. So that's something that I'm finding that works really well. But I'm building this campaign in a much different way than when I have budgets at the ad set level. And that's the real mistake that I'm seeing people make right now. This isn't apples to apples. This is completely an apples to oranges situation. And, you know, I love you, Facebook, but kind of a mistake on their part for the way this was introduced and being broadly applied to all campaigns because it's still not best practice for every situation that I've tested it in and, and everything that I've seen to use CBO when you're in the testing phase. So if we do get to a point where CBO is mandatory for every campaign, the way, I mean, not around this necessarily, but when you are testing, if you don't want CBO, right? The kind of go back is to just set up one campaign for each ad set that you would have set up in your original test campaigns. So this is going to go against the simplification that Facebook's looking for inside of Ads Manager, which kind of sucks. But it's the only way, Ralph, to still be able to control the budget and the reach and the optimization being focused on that one subset of people that you're wanting to target in that ad set versus all of the ad sets in that campaign being taken into control consideration. And it's the really only, that's the easy button to sort of go back. That's the only solution I can think of right now. It's just when we are forced to mandatory CBO, I'll just be setting up a campaign for each ad set that would have been in, in those testing campaigns so that I can get the same result essentially as I would have with ABO. So that's kind of your go back there. But I just want to note a few more nuances. And, and this was the biggest thing I want to discuss for 2020, guys. So I know this one's taken up a lot of time, but I think this is a topic that a lot of you are interested in. I know it is. And just a few other things to note about CBO, because the better we understand something and how it works, 
number one, we're just going to understand it better, right? It's going to ease our frustration and we're going to be better at executing it or using it inside of the platform. So that's why I'm giving you so much context here because that's what I always go back to. Some other nuances to note with CBO is what we were discussing earlier when it comes to machine learning or artificial intelligence. Data is more important than ever here, Ralph. So, you know, we are feeding this little bot or however you want to think about it. Um, Every move that we make, every move any advertiser is making, anything that's happening on in Ads Manager period, Facebook is, is learning from that. So data is more important than ever, the quality and the quantity of data. For example, some things that I'm seeing as a result of this with CBO campaigns, sometimes it takes more like five, six, seven, even a few more days than that from time to time to really get campaigns out of the learning phase or to see them actually get to a point where I feel like they're at their fullest potential, if that makes sense. Where with ABO, it was more like two, three, four, five days it would take out of the gate. So, you know, data is more important than ever. And with CBO, Facebook needs to collect more data than with ABO to really be off to the races, I guess is a good way to put it. I don't know if I'm explaining this in the best way, but it's just so important to understand, guys. You know, you are also teaching Facebook The more dollars you spend, essentially, the smarter the platform becomes, which is really interesting to think about. And along those same lines, because with CBO, you're basically handing over all control, which I think is what most people struggle with, Ralph, is the fact that you're handing over a lot of control here. The worst thing you can do and where I see a lot of people screw up with CBO is that they're doing too much tweaking. Right? So they're going in, they're changing the budgets every day, they're turning stuff on and off, they're removing audiences, they're removing locations, they're doing what I call tinkering. <laughs> they're in there tinkering. And with CBO, that is so painful because when you make those changes, it resets the whole damn thing. Right. Like it's not just one ad set that, you know, it's sort of resetting the optimization. It's the entire campaign. So if a CBO campaign is working for you guys, try not to touch it. Right. The worst thing you can do um, is go in and tinker when something is working really well. I will note a little nuance here because the optimization is moving up a step to the campaign level. Something that I have noticed that you can do with CBO that you can't really do with ABO is that introducing new ads, whether they have social proof or whether they don't, tend to really perk the campaign up a bit, the CBO campaign up a bit, if you're seeing that it's starting to fatigue. So for example, inside of Boom's ad account, Ralph, every week or so, we add one or two new ads to each ad set of every CBO campaign that's performing really well. And it just seems to give it a little lift. Like it it gives it a little bit more to work with, if that makes sense. Where with a, a campaign with budgets at the ad set level, usually you would see that it just confuses Facebook and it's something that I normally wouldn't do, right? I would introduce new ads and new ad sets or new campaigns. So something else to note, you do have the option to set minimum or max budgets and sort of force Facebook to spend a certain amount of money at the ad set level with CBO. 
that can work on occasion, but just be careful with how that throttles volume of results, which we know is so important to scale, right? So whenever I've used that, I do see that it can force maybe more reach over into certain ad sets that weren't getting it before. But I also noticed that overall as a campaign, I wasn't getting the volume of results that I was when I wasn't using those minimums and maximums. So something to think about. And last but not least, just remember guys, CBO is amplification. When you think about CBO, think about amplification and scale and you don't want to amplify crap. (laughs) So just use this in the right situations as I've described here. And I think you guys will see a lot better results. And and hopefully I've just changed the way that you think about CBO and, and that that helps you moving into 2020. And when you really think about it, you don't want to give Facebook too much control over stuff that you don't know if it works yet. You do want to control the controllables at the early phases, like especially when you're first testing. And, you know, we've talked about this in a couple of different episodes here in the last couple of months is that the testing protocol that we're now using is not CBO at all because of these very specific things and looking at it sort of differently. If you can sort of say, all right, well, the way that things work inside ads manager, I have to sort of think differently on an ABO level versus a CBO level. And the two really don't overlap. At least we found that in our experience, it sounds like that's the same thing that you're seeing here. It's an amplification strategy. Once you find something that does resonate with the market, when I say something that resonates with the market, that is, audiences, you know, demographics, those are social ads, as with social proof. Your pixel is seasoned, like that action you're requesting, if it's an action on your site, maybe a conversion, a lead, like the more data you have there, right? The easier it's going to be for CBO. Yeah, for sure. Feed that little bot cookies, Ralph. (laughs) That's right. It needs to be fed. Do you have an example of like, this is what I did testing and then I took that and then here I amplified it with CBO based upon, all right, maybe you didn't know what the market really wanted or maybe it's, you know, an offer that you've run before, what kind of budgets you did for testing at the ad set level and then whether or not you kept that going or you just sort of pulled that all over and plunked that into CBO for scale. Do you have anything yeah. specific as to how you sort of use this sort of two-step strategy with the two different I mean, uh, campaign types? If the testing campaign works, I will scale it as an ABO campaign until that completely fatigues. But once I am seeing proof of concept in the ABO campaign, then I'm starting to think about launching a CBO campaign, squishing the interest in the ad sets that are working to create those bigger audience sizes, and then selecting the two or three ads that are working the best in the overall and adding in two to three extras. So, you know, we're in the middle of a launch right now, and I was testing some completely new ads about two weeks ago. So I launched, I think, eight or nine ads in each ad set, budget at the ad set level. I think I started at like 50 bucks an ad set, which is pretty low for us, right? Right out of the gate, it seemed to be working well. So I've been able to scale it inside of that testing structure. But eventually the cost per lead exceeded what we were looking for. And I had already launched a CBO campaign where I squished the interest down, less ad sets, larger audiences. I picked the three ads that were working the best, used those post IDs, introduced two to three ads, 
now I'm really off to the races because CBO has not only driven that lead cost down lower, but I'm also getting a way higher volume of results than I was when I was in the testing structure, even when I was scaling the testing structure. So eight or nine different ad sets, $50 a day. And you're, what was that? That was a lead that you were trying to optimize for in each one of those ad sets. And that was, what was your cost per lead on average? I think it was like two bucks or so. And now I'm like a dollar 18 and I'm generating, like, I don't have it in front of me, but say with the test campaign, we were generating 500 leads a day. I'm now generating like over 2000 leads a day. You know, and I started with a $2,000 budget too with the CBO campaign. That's something I've noticed like CBO does like larger budgets. And I think that's because of the data factor, right? The need for more data, higher budgets just really help CBO out of the gate. So that's another reason that I like to start CBO with proven assets because I already know pretty much it's going to work. You know, like it was just working in this other campaign. I'm just saying, okay, I want to change how Facebook is optimizing this so I can get cheaper results, but a much higher volume. You know, and the same thing with Boom, right? We do the same thing when we're optimizing for purchases to the pre-sale article or directly to a product page. Things are tested with budgets at the onset level. If it works in there, great. We'll scale it a bit. But we're mainly worried about taking what's working and putting it over into CBO campaigns. Mm. Yeah, so even at your test campaign level, you're still getting, let's say, anywhere between 10 to 15 conversions per day, which per ad set per week, you should be getting anywhere between 50 to 100 conversions per week in that ideal scenario, right? And that feeds enough data back into the algorithm. I think that still is an absolute truth in the algorithm that has not changed, whether it's ABO, whether it's CBO, is that you still do have to feed data back into the machine and give it enough so that it says, all right, this is actually working or this ad in this ad set is the one that's resonating, but I've got enough daily budget in my ABO campaigns to enable that to happen. So, you know, in your case, you're doing like a $2 cost per lead or maybe $3, let's just say that. So it's anywhere between like 10 to 20 conversions per ad set per day, right? Times seven, that's 100 plus. So you're feeding the algorithm enough data at the front end. But then when you flip that over, you're now going into your squishing, obviously your ad sets from eight or nine ad sets into maybe what, four or five, but much yeah, larger one audiences, one yeah, to and five. And I might add some new interests in there. That's a question I get a lot. And like with the wine example, I might add some new ones in there. Mm-hmm. Just because maybe a, there's a maybe a huge interest, like the wine interest, but exactly. maybe you were targeting like Cabernet Sauvignon and exactly like, you know, Pinot Noir. Doing. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, still targeting like, all of those and all the wine yeah. and all the wine magazines and books and sommeliers and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff's working. So I might as well go big. Adding. Exactly. I, yeah, because I, I remember. Pulled, <laughs> right, I, exactly. I just Ralph pulled something up in Boom's account where we did this exact same thing. We were testing, and with testing, the CPA was sixty bucks, which is good for Boom. Like they're happy with that. And then we took what worked, flipped it into CBO. Now the CPA is looking like forty five dollars, yeah. but that wouldn't have happened if we used the same test materials and test structure with CBO first. So. I'm not saying the cost will always go down, right? But just so you guys know how I do transition that. Yeah. So that ABO campaign kept going until it died out. 
And then you eventually sort of everything sort of migrated over to the CBO at the much larger you know, daily budget totally. of about $2,000 a day. And this was for a new pre-sale article. So pretty much all the ads we run to that pre-sale article moving forward will be in CBO because it's pretty proven we've got data awesome. But there are 20 new pre-sale articles in the hopper. So every mm. time that new author is tested and there, of course, they'll have new ads. That's ABO. You know, that's ABO. So yeah. or we'll Do go back to the that- button. Absolutely. Do you find there's overlap between the two or that has not been an issue in that particular case? Because this is not an unproven offer in the case of Boom. It's an unproven lander or a pre-sale article. Unproven funnel, essentially. I've seen it hurt and I've seen it not be an issue depending on the ad account. So I don't want to say either way. I will say that it's something to watch out for. Like if it looks like they're not competing and they're both performing fine, obviously leave them both going because it's allowing you to reach, you know, your market more quickly, a bigger part of the market than you would otherwise. But you might see that they conflict. I think we chatted about that a little bit in the episode where I went through our launch strategy a few months ago here on Perpetual Traffic Ralph. But if you find that they do conflict, you might need to turn the ABO off, right? Mm. Like, for example, with I ended up turning the ABO off with the recent launch campaigns that I was mentioning earlier. And I think I'm glad that I did that because as soon as I turned them off, it really seemed to give the CDO campaign a lift, especially in terms of volume of results and just sort of the momentum that I was seeing from the campaign. Right, right. Makes sense. So I think it can go either way. I think a lot of it depends on audience sizes too, where the launch that I'm discussing that's happening right now is a smaller market than, for example, booms reaching women over the age of 50. Like that's a huge market. So, you know, it's going to depend a little bit on what you're doing. So once you start that CBO campaign, how many changes are you making to it? You say eventually, you know, stuff starts to tire out a little bit and you introduce maybe a couple of new ads every week or so. Aside from that, how much tinkering are you doing on your CBO now that it's established? You've already tested everything. So you're working from a position of, I am using data to make data-driven decisions. This Cabernet Sauvignon Pinot Noir interest grouping is working. I'm obviously going to squish that into maybe a a larger interest campaign. But oh, by the way, maybe I should do wine because that's like an even bigger audience. So you're making decisions based upon data. But like, what do you do after that? And how much tinkering? So the only tinkering that I'm doing is the introduction of new ads. Like I discussed earlier, I'm not turning ad sets off that are underperforming because of the breakdown effect. You now have to take all of that into consideration at the ad set level. So I'm not turning anything off. I'm only feeding Facebook new ads, especially if I'm seeing fatigue happening. All of the new stuff that I'm doing are in new campaigns. It's why I think that this whole CBO thing has kind of gone against what, you know, Facebook's wishes for account simplification because, you know, I have more campaigns in my accounts than I ever have before. And a lot of that is because I don't want to touch anything with CBO. You know, I really don't want to touch those campaigns very often. So like for scaling with budgets at the ad set level, when I would scale horizontally to new audiences, I would just create new ad sets, change the targeting. Great. 
But now I'm creating completely new campaigns, you know? Some of them might only have one ad set in them because I couldn't find a ton of audiences, but I'm having to create completely new campaigns to horizontally scale, which is creating some interesting situations inside of ad accounts. (laughs) It's a lot more challenging to manage. It's just more, yeah. I just don't think Facebook's realizing that that's actually going against their wish, but that's okay campaign simplification. Well, what they would probably say is, well, you know, if it worked for $450 a day at like $50, nine ad sets, thereabouts, and you're going to 2000, well, just start your CBO at five grand a day. If that's where you want to ultimately be, if you want, you know what I mean? Like that's would be this pat answer from Facebook as opposed to, all right, start at 2000 a day, but then you ultimately want to get to five to 10 K a day or scale, whatever the customer, or in this case, you know, whatever the business actually wants but in fact, you know, to start with that next CBO campaign, you're starting with, you know, a fairly large daily budget. Let's not kid ourselves here. $2,000 a day is a lot of money to spend on Facebook. But then you're, in order to scale that, you're adding more and more CBO onto it, which is counter to what Facebook always says, consolidate as much as you possibly can. <laughs> I know. So we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. But I think it's a positive thing. Like CBO has allowed me to get better results than I ever have from campaigns, especially in a short amount of time. So I'm excited about it. I just want people to know when to use it. And I just hope Facebook understands that I don't think a blanket shift to this is the right move because it is making things a bit more complicated. But on the other hand, I'm grateful that it exists also. So uh, that's kind of my stance on it. I think this is going to be a big topic this year. Yeah, and we'll continually update you here on perpetual traffic as to what we find out in our testing. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, there's no real company line on this quite yet from Facebook, like where it's supposed to be used. It's a little bit muddy. So, mm-hmm. you know, real world experience. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got great partner managers. You've got people that you talk to inside Facebook. They're not running ads every single day. So, you know, what we actually see and what is, what is put forth by Facebook is not necessarily one and the same. So it's really, it's in the trenches, stuff like this, that's the most relevant tips and, and ways to approach this as things continue to change in 2020. So that's just the first point of what to expect in 2020 with Molly and myself for Facebook advertising in the coming year. And there's a lot to unpack. So definitely go back and listen to this episode multiple times if you really are struggling with how to figure out campaign budget optimization and how to integrate CBO with ABO, ad set budget optimization. And on next week's episode, we're going to get into the next three things for you to expect in 2020, one of which is one of the biggest fears of Facebook advertisers right now. And it's the thing that actually got me and Molly interested in this platform and scale on this platform and leverage this platform to create businesses around. But it's the number one fear of Facebook advertisers that we've discussed and talked to in many different forums, groups, masterminds. And we'll be addressing that in next week's episode. So make sure you stay tuned till next week. Uh, Everything that we mentioned here, you can go over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast and download uh, any of the resources that we had mentioned here, as well as links, URLs, helpful resources to all the things that we discussed on the show, digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Until next week, 
Seer. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.